going on, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And we are back, episode 9 of The Business of Lifting Weights. Today we're going to talk all about launching our gym. Uh, so pretty much going from pre-launch to opening and steps that you can do to be successful to make it, well, pretty much, I guess, to that first year mark, which is when they say a lot of small businesses go out of business. Right. But also to continue to grow, to continue to just set yourself up to be successful long term. And while we're talking about our gym, this is very applicable to any business. Um, I see a lot of parallels between our business and some of our members' businesses. Um, and you know, we learn a lot from them, and I think they can learn a lot from us. So um, any business out there, all this stuff kind of applies. Yeah, and you know, when we, you know, I think with where we're at now, uh, being at the two locations and looking at a possible third, is like I always. There's some things we did really well when we started, and there's yep. some things we didn't do well. Right. So it's almost like I'm glad we – I wouldn't have changed anything mm-hmm. um, because you never know. It's like almost like butterfly effect, like right. how you're going alter to the, <laughs> alter the future with just one different move. Um, so we'll talk a lot about our experiences, like both good and bad things we did right and wrong um, from basically like prior to opening through the first couple of months. And, um, yeah, just kind of like the impact that we feel like they had maybe today. Uh, kind of relating it to like what those did or what foundation that laid to be now here like five years later. Right. Um, so to be honest with you, like thinking back to when we opened, uh, we opened in April of 2011. It's, I don't remember like a lot about that process. You don't? Not, uh, not like a ton of the, the details. Okay. I remember like the bigger hurdles and the stuff like that that we went through. Right. Um, but I don't remember like a lot of the specifics on like, you know, the numbers with the leases and and all that stuff. Um, so you know, I think there'll be just some good like general lessons too here today. As far as like, I know we talked about our real estate agent, right. which um, we'll mention, and he was in episode seven talking about um, going through the lease process. So that'll be one that we come back to. But kind of the first thing is. You know, when you and I first talked about doing this, like we had no money. Right. Zero. <laughs> um, I was poor. And we had like, most importantly, we had no idea how much money it would take. Right. Like if this, if people were doing this podcast for us like five years ago, like I oh would have been so much, would have been just so helpful, but we had no idea what to do. We didn't know, know anybody that had opened a gym or anything close to it. So we just had like zero resources. And honestly, like most people that open up a gym, they're probably not going to tell you all this stuff because they don't want to kind of divulge their information. So, um, you know, had we known people, like, I don't even know if they would have told us. Yeah, um, for sure. And like, we just, so many things we did were just on pure guesswork and Mm -hmm. funding was the first one. Um, what, I know when we started the discussion of raising money, like we had a business plan of like all the stuff we were going to need and it was based on like opening for a year. Right. Was it? Was it on operating for a year's worth of expenses? Yeah, it was startup equipment plus enough money to last us a year if we didn't get any customers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's always good to have that in your plan. If you don't get a single customer, (laughs) here's how much money that you have. Yeah, right. Um, So I know when we first started out, we wanted to raise $125,000. Right. And, um, that's what we raised and we needed not anything close to that. Not, I don't even think half of that. Yeah. Do you remember like some of the specifics on like what we ended up spending and all that? Um, you know, for startup, I believe it was somewhere around 50,000. Um, 
and we didn't really spend much money at all on marketing and that's one thing we'll get to um that i w wish that we had done way different but um yeah so I mean, many things didn't exist though back then that's that's also true um didn't exist or were very different like you yeah. look at facebook today and where it's going it's totally different from from where it used to be right um but yeah i mean i, I think it was somewhere around fifty thousand for startup um and that was even too much um you know we cut back on a lot of stuff um, equipment wise with the treadmills and stuff like that. But, um, <laughs> wait, what'd you just say? <laughs> treadmills? Yeah. Right. Um, we I'm had treadmills by the way. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people would find that pretty funny. Um, but yeah, that's like, to me, that's, you know, that's one thing where I think that we did, our thinking was in the right place, but some of it was executed poorly. Like right. we thought all along, like, let's keep equipment to, to really what we need to be successful in classes. But we just expanded that way too much. Like right. we'd, we had like a treadmill or like we had like one Bulgarian bag. Right. And like stuff that like is cool if a single person is using it, but we just didn't think about that from scalability. Right. Like you can't have one piece of equipment and like, all right, we're doing kettlebell swings today. Everybody share the 44 right. <laughs> kettlebell. So it's like we, we definitely missed the mark on stuff that was – it was just a weird combo of like – some stuff was for class. Some stuff was for the individual. Yep. I think because when we opened, we weren't really quite sure what we were. Like, were we a class gym? Were we personal training? Were we athlete training? Right. Like, because I brought over my existing clientele from my, you know, Performance 360 as a single person. Right. And so we were just like, needed that revenue to, to get us going and to kind of like pay some bills and what have you. So we did a bunch of everything. And I do remember actually that was a really awkward transition because like I had to tell all my clients like your whole, everything is going to be different. You're going to, you know, pay this now. It's going to be part of a group. It's no longer going to be one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Um, and by that time I was getting fried on the one-on-one -on -one stuff. I had yeah. been doing that for like two years and it just takes a toll. And I tried like to, I don't want to say to cater, but like I looked out for like what they wanted to do much more than I should have. It right. should have been like, we're the bit, this is, this is the business. Like we're doing class stuff. Right. So in hindsight, I wish we were a little more like class aggressive right off the bat. Yeah. And kind of what you mentioned is, is a very good point. Like we didn't really know exactly who we were when we opened and we're very different now than where we were. And if we were to, if we were able to kind of nail that right on the head from the start, like growing would have been so much easier, I think. Um, it would have been very much more direct and like the people coming in would have been, um, I don't know how to say it, but it's just, it would have been like a better group of people in the sense that like every person coming through the door was a right fit rather than some, some being a fit, some not. Um, it's kind of like we talked about on the last episode, episode eight about going wider. Exactly. Um, instead of deeper. And right. like when we started, we were just like, pretty much like a fly catcher and we were just going to take anybody that came in and like, I don't want to say build a business off of that, but, um, kind of like a, adjust to where the demand was. And I do think like the ability to like pivot based on what people want is crucial. Yeah. Um, but we also like weren't as direct and like, this is what we, we do and this is what we want to grow right. right off the bat. So I think it kind of, I don't want to say it like complicated our marketing, but it just made it hard for us to like go out and say like who we are and what we do. It, it was harder to build like our brand and have people relate to it and know exactly what it was. It was, 
yeah, a lot of people came in and they might not have been exactly sure like who we were or what right. we did. Yeah, it's like, you know, be the place that is like right off the bat, like we sell like amazing grilled cheese sandwiches. You yep. know what I mean? It's like we didn't really know kind of what we were at that point. Like right. we knew our philosophies and training, but we didn't really know how we were going to apply them right. to whom and in like what real format. Yeah. So that took a little bit of time to evolve. Yeah. Um, and in hindsight, like, yes, we could have done a better job of that, but it also almost allowed us to see where the demand was, mm-hmm. so to say. Yeah. Um, so it allowed us to kind of like work that out on our own. Um, and give us, I think, more confidence that, like, okay, this is what people definitely want to do more. Like, we're now going to sl- focus, like, completely on this. Yeah, very good point. Um, so, you know, to tie that back into the funding, uh, we didn't really, like, know what we should be spending on because we didn't really know what we were just yet. Yeah. So I think had we been more concrete, we could have been much more efficient in the spending for sure. Um, and especially, like, with the equipment because we just bought way too many, like, little tricks and gadgets that, like, people didn't fucking need. Right. And, you know, as you start out, you know, you're not going to have an enormous amount of customers. You're not going to have class sizes of 25 people like we can have now. Eight, eight hours a day. Eight hours a day, yeah. So, like, you know, you don't have to buy enough equipment to sustain, you know, eight hours a day of 25 people. You can start off and slowly build build from there. And I, like, love that model. To me, it's like the Rubicon Deli model, which yep. is a local sandwich shop who, like, I don't think they still do this anymore. But when they opened, they were, we closed and we run out of bread. Right. And I love that. Like, yeah. yes, could you sell more sandwiches if you stocked more bread? Maybe, probably. Mm-hmm. But you know that you're always going to meet overhead and you know you're not going to overextend yourself and it creates a bit of a demand. Absolutely. That's, that's otherwise not there. Um, so, you know, the parallel to that to the gym would be, you know, don't short yourself on equipment. But it's just don't, you know understand that like money in the door, more customers, you then turn that around to buy more equipment. There's no need for you to open up this 10,000 square foot facility with 40 barbells and a barbell for every single person in class and a kettlebell for every single person in class. People can share equipment and they can share stations and you don't have to be sinking a hundred grand into equipment. And it, the atmosphere inside a gym when it's a huge facility and there's like very few people. I think it's very awkward. Like that happened to a San Diego gym where I was following his marketing and you know, he was posting on Facebook, like secured the space, like awesome location. And it was just like way too much, like right. way too big. He didn't have any members yet. He was just like starting from scratch, probably spent It's like the delusions eight, of grandeur. Yeah. Like a probably spent a shit ton of money on all this stuff and then opened and it was like crickets. Yeah. And it's like, I think what people need to realize is if like you want to own this like you know a gym of that caliber that's never been our business model cuz we like the more intimate setting mm-hmm. but like places grow into that you grow and then you move and then your lease runs out and you move it or you get out of the lease like you don't just open up in a max allowance facility stocked to the gills with equipment and like if you build it they will come yep, type thing that is not going to happen it's like get them to come and then you build it right. i believe i totally agree um Especially as it comes to like your overhead, because once you have that, like nothing you can do about it. Like, yeah, that is like better the most it. the most important thing because that is your biggest expense. So if you can keep that low, like you know, that just creates the possibility for success, essentially. Yeah, for sure. And to go back to just the whole location discussion, I have such mixed thoughts on that because we were able to be massively successful in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. 
with a location that gave us nothing, mm-hmm. yet was an amazing location because we were right on the water. So I'm so like, if I'm going to be 100% honest, I'm so conflicted with like what that location did or did not do for us. Right. And, uh, you know, to look back on it, we, I still remember this because we got one person in the first three years to come join the gym that found us due to walking or driving by one person. Yeah. And they stayed for two months and moved to Wisconsin. Still remember that that day that she left because I was like, well, there goes our one that <laughs> that walked by or drove by. <laughs> um, but you're right. We were very successful in that location. And I think part of that is because we started with a base of, you know, 35 people or whatever it was that could spread the word. If we didn't have those people, like things might have gone differently. Yeah. I mean, it, it's hard because exposure is so important for a business, they say. Mm-hmm. And like, it is. Um, getting exposure is awesome. But, you know, there were some things that that location, what it lacked, you know, the ability to be exposed, there's absolutely no doubt that it created an extremely tight knit community. Absolutely. And we got to 450 members in 2,000 square feet in a little under three years. Yep. And that's remarkable. Yeah, it, it is. And, that is a lot to be said for, you know, the reasons why we feel qualified to do this podcast. Right. Um, combined with the fact that that location provided us an extremely tight knit community of people. Mm-hmm. And it was like almost a destination type place that people would go and it was like theirs. Right. So, you know, I think about this all the time because that's one of the main things, questions that I get of like long term members of like, do you miss that location? And like, how important do you think it was? And like, yeah, I miss it. It was great. Like all the memories are there. It was a pain in the ass by the time we left because right. there was no parking. There was a kid's camp that took up everything. You know, it smelled like gasoline the whole time. <laughs> and the positives slowly became the negatives. Which yeah. is why, and the place got damn expensive. Right. And that's your priority number one is your business is like you have to put yourself in a position to continue to stay open for people. Yeah. And being in that place long-term was just no longer a viable option. And to give people a little bit of a of back information on this that haven't heard where we're located or where we were, we were on a little bit of a peninsula in San Diego, surrounded... You just said that word weird. Did I? Peninsula. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even notice. <laughs> um, so yeah, we were surrounded by water on essentially three sides, had you know beautiful setting outdoors and like that's one thing that people loved about it was the seclusion and the outdoor setting and being able to look out on the bay um and i think if we if we didn't have that aspect and we were just tucked away somewhere random in like a shitty part of town we'll talk about that because i specifically remember we were looking at two locations when we opened we were looking at 2500 square feet on garnett which is now a yoga studio Mm -hmm. and we were looking at this space and i was I don't want to say cold on the where we were, um, but you were much. I, I specifically remember you were much hotter on the place that we chose at the at the sports center. So like, what was it about that that you felt was going to be so critical to our success? Honestly, it was a little bit of that like gut feeling, like it just felt right. And I think part of that was the lease terms. We had a one year lease to start with the option to renew and extend, and it just it felt right. So like, why did it feel right? Like on the business that you wanted to run. And like the place you wanted to build, like why, why did that feel right? If you can somehow articulate that. The feeling that you were, when you were there, it was a little bit more like energetic and 
different. Mm-hmm. You know, you can anybody can open up a business on Garnett, which is the main street in Pacific Beach, and you're just like everybody else. You know, um, we wanted to be different. That was a big part of our whole business model. Is it awkward that we're off Garnett right now? A little bit, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, we were able to establish our identity and like right. prove that we're different, and then you know, and then move on to, well, to my point to that is like, I feel the same way about that space. Yeah. And it's like, that's, that's why it's hard for me to answer. Like, was that space good? Because mm-hmm. like, I think it was absolutely critical mm-hmm. to the initial success that we right. had. And it all goes back to like, everybody is going to have a different vision in their mind of like what their business is going to be, how their gym is going to be run, what it's going to look like when you walk in. Like every, every gym owner has that thought in their head of like, just like they're standing in their gym looking around and like, what does it look like? Right. And like being able to have that vision and looking at a space is so big. Like, of course you look at square footage. Of right. course you look at price per square foot. Of course you look at the terms of the lease and, and all that stuff. That's super important. But like your gut and like, does this feel like the place where we're going to run a gym mm-hmm. is huge. That place was a shit box. I know. Like it was eighteen hundred square feet inside. Right. The floors were crooked. Right. There were these wooden beams that ran up the middle of it that right. like cast this dark shadow on <laughs> on on twenty percent of the gym. Uh-huh. And like, it's almost like we saw this diamond in the rough that like we can turn this into a gym. It's got this open air feeling. It's got this seclusion. It's got this like, I'm at Performance three sixty where nobody else knows about. And like that was huge for us. Yeah, it was. So that's why I just I don't think there's any textbook rules for like you need to find this space and it has to fulfill this dollar amount. Like don't be an idiot with what you extend yourself. If you're just starting out with no members, don't drop fifteen grand on a lease. Right. But like you have to have a degree of kind of pliability and you have to have it's gotta fit your vision. Mm-hmm. And like if you're starting a business or you're running a gym that that has to be yours to kind of figure out, but it has to fit with what you're going for. And, you know, when you look at our second location, it was the type of thing where we drove up to the outside space and looked in and we were just like, this is it. Like, yep. You knew right away, like, this feels like us. This feels like our business and what and we know what we can do here. And it was like, that was the, I've never had an easier decision in my life than to be like, we want this place. Yeah, I mean, it was like a mirror representation of the first one yeah yeah um you know that said like yes you know yes you got to go on your gut and it has to it has to like check that feel box but at the same time there's also some very hard principles that you and i've always followed with real estate for business which mm -hmm. is why we loved the new space on gresham right um and kind of the main part of town and you know our opinion on it is find kind of like equipment find space that is going to be highly efficient. Yep. Um, don't create like, you know, nobody likes going to like a big party where there's like three people in, in a massive house. It's like you right. create a space where like people can get to know people and they can, you know, sweat with people and it's, it's open high ceilings, you know, things like that that create an open feel. Like we've never wanted to overextend ourselves on space that we don't feel is necessary for a good workout. Yeah, absolutely. So we've always looked at, you know, space around the 3,000 square foot mark, high ceilings, stuff that we don't have to do a lot of work to because we want to put that money elsewhere. We want to put that money into equipment. We want to put it into our staff. We want to put it into, you know, growing the gym and not necessarily into this 
aggressively high overhead each month. Yeah, and demo is like such a large expense. Like a lot of the locations that we're looking at for our third location would require just a ton of demo. And it's just like when you notice that, like let's say you have to spend, you know, 20, 30 grand on demo, just think about how much or where that money can go elsewhere that can grow your business. And it's like that money can go so far rather than like knocking down a wall and putting up like nice shit everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I think that's huge. Like that's always been a pretty high thing on our list to look for. Yeah. And like one thing so many people out overlook is like, can I get to your gym? Yeah. Can I park? Mm -hmm. Um, Can I park at a business? Like there's so many places that I just don't go to now that I'm like, I don't want to circle around for five minutes trying to find a parking spot. Right. Parking spot. Um, so like every location that we've had, that's always been priority number one. Like we don't want, we don't want customers and our members to see coming to our business as a pain in the ass. Right. Like you spend 10 minutes parking, you're just coming in, not happy. (laughs) Right. And you know, uh, do you remember that location? We made fun of the business there, uh, now, um, one of our previous episodes, but, um, it was a corner location. It was a pretty cool spot. Like it was very interesting from, every perspective other than there was just no parking like not a spot and it was in a you know towards the beach so there wasn't any outdoor parking um elsewhere that that we could use or rent from somebody else and there's been what three three businesses there yeah that have come and gone you just can't get to it yeah and it's just like those businesses are setting themselves up to fail because nobody can get there and ultimately that all comes back to essentially negotiating your lease if you do not negotiate good lease terms for what your business does and like how it operates then you're essentially screwing yourself from the start um you know i look at uh there was a taco shop in pb that uh through a friend we knew that the rent was seven thousand dollars a month for like a relatively small taco shop restaurant which is a very original idea for pb yeah there's already like 40 of them so that's another point like do your freaking market research um but seven thousand dollars a month for a little taco shop that sells you know two dollar tacos like you need to run the numbers and know what your break-even point is and how many tacos you need to sell in order to cover rent and expenses and it's like i've never met the guys that run that but like i know for a fact that they did not do that because otherwise you would not be spending seven thousand dollars a month on you know what was it a thousand square feet Something yeah, like that. Like, small space. Yeah, very small space. So, you know, negotiating a lease is a big part of it. A lot of times with leases is they're obviously going, the landlord's obviously going to want the best terms for them. So when you approach them and you ask them for the details, they're going to give you something that is very, very favorable for them. Um, and then there should be like a several, several step negotiation process where you're just slowly knocking out things that you don't want or that you need for your business. Um, and I think for us, like number one, when we opened up location number one, it was, um, the year lease. So we had a one year lease, which is huge. Um, we also got a couple months free in rent, um, in addition to a scaled approach to rent. So it was like year one was X dollars year two was X plus, you know, 5% or whatever it was. And so it started out very low and slowly increased to allow our business to grow. Um, Yeah. I remember that was very helpful when we started because again, we didn't have like, we didn't have to spend a ton of money. And, you know, I think that when you're in a position where you have so much money 
to cover the first day that you're open, you have to jeopardize kind of like your principles or jeopardize how you want to run the business because you feel this pressure to pay all this overhead. Right. So it's like our whole philosophy when we opened was we wanted to create this gym that was, you know, <clears throat> almost like cheers. Everybody knows your name. You walk in um, very like close knit community. We just run very differently. Um, that was a different concept than what was out there. Mm -hmm. And had we been in a position where we had to, you know, where we were responsible for $25,000 a month off the bat, there's no way that we could have done that. We would have had to like chop prices way down, like way, way down mm -hmm. and basically just become like a, you know, crunch fitness style place where just get everybody in as quick as humanly possible so that you can pay your bills. Yeah. If, you, if you get that, that overall financial responsibility down, you can really grow the gym that you want to grow and run it the way that you want to do, like completely pressure-free. And we talked uh, on the other episode about uh, being who you are and growing your business from there. Like if we were, if we went that route, like we would not be able to essentially build the gym that we wanted and who we were. Like it would have been some, like you said, like weird, like, you know, crap fitness or whatever. Um, and it, it just wouldn't be us. And actually, now that I think about it, I think that we should start a gym called Crap Fitness. <laughs> Charge like four dollars a month, <laughs> like jungle gyms and jumping jacks. That's our uh, kids' franchise. Don't steal it. Actually, I think it exists already. I remember seeing a jungle gyms when I was traveling one time. Really? Yeah. Are you sure that was you? Because I think that was me. Oh, really? I think I sent you a picture of a place called yeah, Jungle Gyms in yeah. like Ireland or something. Oh, yeah. I remember I saw it in some capacity. <laughs> nice. I just had your memory. <laughs> I've done that before. Um. Kind of moving on to the one of like the biggest aspects of pre-launch and before you open is like the marketing side of it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we got lucky a little bit with we had a pretty big base of friends. You had your personal training clients. Like we had a large group of people that were interested in the opening of the gym before we launched. So we launched with I forget what the exact number was. It was thirty something people. Right. Um, so that's thirty something people that are already ready to pay you. Uh, membership dues before you open doors and that is like so crucial um and also like with those people like funnel them together so that they're working out together so they get they're motivating one another so that they get to know one another like you know it should go without saying but if you're starting the gym with 30 people like don't offer eight different class times very good like point. offer two yeah. one in the morning and one at night and if you can't make it unfortunately you don't join at that point right so it's like you know focus on like getting that core experience down immediately and th then grow it. Cause it's like, yeah, we started with those 30 people, which like d doesn't seem like a lot, but you know, l like you've always said, that was huge. And you know, it was 30 people, but it was like two classes of 15 people. Right. So there was high energy, like in every single workout. Yeah, exactly. If you, you know, if we had three classes in the morning and four at night, every class has a few people in it. Like that sucks. That that's a shitty experience for your customer. So, um, and also those 30 people giving them a good experience, then they start spreading the word very quickly. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think our, when we started and we, through the first like year of our business, like we were all referral based, like we did not get a whole lot of people through any other method, whether it was social media, whether it was advertising, it was like all word of mouth. Um, right. And that, that should be the way that a gym grows. Um, you know, taking good care of people. Like that's how you have to get the, those referrals. Yeah, absolutely. And then that, that's when it just spreads. And then, you know, down the road you can add some other stuff, but, um, 
in the meantime, basically when you're starting out, it is all about that customer experience. Like if you look back at our episode, what was it? Number four, creating a proper gym culture, like go back and listen to that episode. Cause that is like day in and day out, like what your goal is. And when you achieve that proper gym culture, that is when it spreads like wildfire. Um, and you can also listen to episode eight, which is the little things that make a successful gym. So again, that's all about like the day-to-day stuff that like most of your energy and work should go towards. Um, and you know, that's going to be, that's going to give you an excellent blueprint of like what to follow when you're starting out. But anyway, you know, in order to generate those first X amount of people, like let's say you don't have a, you know, a big group of friends or former personal training clients that are coming over there. Um, one of the things that I wish we had done is a little bit of more like social media advertising or Google AdWords advertising. Um, just because I, and, and also knowing what I know now with the experience of that stuff, like if I could have applied that, uh, back to the beginning, I Mm -hmm. feel like we would have grown quicker. Um, what you didn't like our approach of putting flyers on cars <laughs> uh yeah flyers don't work people yeah but that stuff like wasn't that big that then it's like facebook ads like did that even exist yeah i think so maybe not facebook but google ads did yeah um, i'm really bad at like remembering timelines so like five years ago feels like three months ago to me it's just like I, the point is like marketing what we're talking about now is probably going to be obsolete in 24 months yeah so it's like you have to be able to maneuver and change and like you have to be able to adapt to that stuff and leverage it like in combination with getting referrals. Right. And you know, that brings up a really good point. Marketing will change. Everything will kind of adjust to the time period. But one thing that has just always been rock solid is email marketing. And that is one thing that we took a long time to really develop. And that is like my number one, like, fuck, I wish we had started growing an email list like from, you know, six months before we opened and just built that email list, built that client base of people that you can at least like potentially sell to. Um, And I think that we would have grown a lot quicker uh, had we done that. And that's like kind of my big number one, um, like should have done this. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, for those people out there, there's a really good book called Launch by Jeff Walker. Um, and it's all about a product launch, but it applies to any kind of launch, whether you're opening a business or, you know, selling an info product online or, you know, whatever, like creating a very dynamic launch process is like one of the best, best books I've ever read. So I know you've mentioned that book a few times. Um, I know it wasn't around when we opened, but like, what are some of the things that you like about that, that you wish we could have applied back to when we opened? Uh, well, for me... It was such a good book in detailing like the specific sequence and tactics that you use on like a day-to-day basis to generate, you know, new customers for a specific launch date. Mm-hmm. So like the book itself is it mostly talks about a product and like selling a product online, um, but it can very easily be applied to opening up a gym and the specific steps that you need to do to generate people that are interested in the gym and are ready to commit to something that they've never tried before. Um, you know, if you're launching a gym from scratch, like people don't know what the hell you do or who the hell you are. So like, you kind of goes back to the importance of like the email list. Yeah. It's all tied in. If you can start that email list, like well before you open, then you use that email list for the launch. 
um, and it's creating excitement, creating buzz around the opening or launch of a product. Um, and we actually use that for uh, the launch of our Dirty Fork membership. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that, yeah. but it worked really well. Like we had a great turnout, um, and it was just like it is a just like a step by step blueprint on how to do it. Yeah, because some of that stuff can be very technical, and it's like it also needs to be. Like you need to have the creative marketing also tied into like a very regimented process, yeah. Um, which is something that I definitely learned from that. Um, and and just one thing that actually like in going talking about the email, um, you know, we email's always been there for us. And like you mentioned, how it's like one thing that it never goes out of style and is in terms of being able to interact with customers and potential customers. Right. Um, like we've always kind of used email more as like information around the community, education, more of like an interactive tool um, rather than one that's kind of a sales tool. Right. Um, and I know like you, you are a big believer in that and like not everything is like um, how you phrase it, like push marketing, um, how it's more about the experience and the interactions than it is necessarily like jamming sales down people's throats. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, I read, I read a lot on marketing techniques and stuff like that. And it's like, you go onto these forums, like these gym forums. And like the number one question is like, how do I market my business? How do I get more new customers in the door? And there's all these discussions about all these new tools and all these like secret marketing techniques. And it's like, that's all great if you have the time and the money to do that stuff, but like before you get to that point, focus on creating a good experience with your customers and like focusing on just like the day to day stuff. Like, you know, when you think of marketing, you think of like, you know, Facebook ads or social media marketing, but it's like take a step back and like a response to a customer's email Mm -hmm. is marketing. You are creating some sort of impression on that person. So like, let's say somebody, you know, comes online and looks at your gym and they email you a question about getting started or like taking the trial class. Well, that is their initial kind of, um, you know, your initial response to them is going to like make or break their experience. If you write like a one, one sentence, like, Oh yeah, just sign up for the class online. Like they're going to be like, okay. Uh, like I could have gotten that from the website. (laughs) Thanks. But if you go on and be like, you know, most people start out here, um, it depends on your experience level. You'll be perfectly fine in the daily challenge. Just, um, you know, check in with the coach. They'll get you all squared away and, like, basically show effort to that person. Like, that is the best marketing that you can do. Right. It's showing like, that you care. It reminds me a lot of the jabs versus the hooks that Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about. Exactly. How, like, everything you do should be more jabs, jabs, jabs. And, like, he refers to the that right hook, like the knockout punch. Of, like, that's when you ask for the sale. But right. everything else is just, like relationship setting that up like jabs yeah and I think about like our sales process and one of the one of the things that I've always really liked about it is like we don't really have a sales process like people are going to misinterpret that like behind the scenes we absolutely do it's stuff that we spend a ton of time on the staff with training we have we have the process it's just not very salesy oriented. Yeah. So like we are not like the, what do we have to put you in a gym membership today approach, (laughs) like the used car stuff. And I remember like my, a previous job that I had before I went down the path of fitness was I sold websites to real estate agents, cold calling, internal sales marketing. Like it was the worst job ever. And I was the absolute worst at it. (laughs) Um, it was all scripted and it was all like, Hey Jim, like, (laughs) 
going over all this different stuff on the website, like, how would you like to earn more customers for your business? And like, immediately I'm just like, oh my God, like no one, who's going to be interested in this? Right. And I just like, one of the things that I think has always been a, a positive part of our culture and that I think it sets the tone right away for the experience and the culture that you want to create as you start out is like not being a place that hard sells. Right. And, you know, we have a very regimented process, uh, multiple step check-in with new trials, making sure they understand everything, making sure they feel safe, but never once do we ask them to sign up. Right. And that's like counter to probably any sales training. I'm not saying it's like the right way to do it. I'm just saying it's worked extremely well for us. Very well. And, you know, I go back to like that example of like our buddy Tyler, Mm -hmm. like we, you know, we have a friend who we were friends with for probably a year who never came to the gym and like, I didn't care. Like I could still be friends with him (laughs) and, uh, he ended up joining and now he really likes it. And like, I remember one time he talked about, he's like, I always appreciated how like you and Pritz like never once like hard sold me yeah, or like tried to like sell me on a membership as an awkward thing, like between friends. Yeah. And, um, you know, the flip side of that is like our other buddy talking about the experience where he was at the wedding, had a wedding and he was going to the bathroom and somebody asked him to sign up for their gym because <laughs> wow. um, he found out he lived in PB and this guy owned a gym in PB and he was like hard selling him like over. while he was in the bathroom. Yeah. Just like <laughs> total inopportune time. And like, right. in my opinion, if somebody does that, like I'm immediately going to be like, this is a culture that I don't want to be a part of. Absolutely. Like you're selling me while I'm taking a piss, like get out of here. Yeah. And you know, it, it's finding those people that are right for the gym. Like I've heard you convince somebody to not join the gym because in discussing it with them, you found out that it was, it was probably not a good fit. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we do not sell hard. You know, we ask people if it's something that they are interested in and then take it from there. But like, we are never trying to convince people to do something that they don't want to do because if that's the case, like they may join and they may be there for two months, but like if it's ultimately not a right fit, then they're going to be gone in a couple months anyways. And then we've wasted all this time and effort on onboarding this person and getting them up to speed. So, Totally um, agree. And then they might leave and tell five people that it was a weird experience. And the, of those five people, who knows, one of them might have been a great fit. Right. But now they won't come in because this bad fit was exposed to it. And you said something earlier that made a lot of sense and how like responding to an email is marketing. Yeah. Like I would even take that a step further and say your marketing is how you treat a new person when they walk through the door. Yeah. Like who cares how catchy your ad was? Like we had to rely a lot on, um, you know, trying to get creative with ads and trying to do all that stuff on social media when we had zero exposure and like all that's great. But like once they get in the door, you got to back that up. Absolutely. Like there has to be a culture that matches up with that. You know, you need to be making this person feel welcome. You need to make them feel confident in their workout and give them a good experience. And, that's going to do wonders for you than m- much more than like a scripted sales pitch at the end that has a list of objections to meet. If somebody brings them up like talking points on a script, like yeah. how about just create an awesome service and experience and like, you don't need the script. Yeah. Like yeah. going up to him after the workout and being like, what'd you think? And right. they're either going to sign up or they're not. And we've found that more often than not people sign up. Yeah. I mean, I think our conversion rate, like, I don't know, conversion rates of all the gyms around the country, but like it has to be better than, you know, almost everybody. Like the number of people that sign up with us is pretty absurd. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's a reason we have close to 600 people at the gym 
is we're good at signing people up. Right. And, um, you know, the next step is obviously keeping them and delivering on that. And that's what all, you know, many of the other episodes we've recorded are about. But, you know, if you're starting out a business and you're starting out a gym, it's really kind of like we talked about before, just resisting the temptation to like have to appeal to every single person and focus more on like getting those right people that force you to not jeopardize your values creating great experiences for them so they refer other people that are very similar to them. Yeah. And um, you, you know, most friends are similar to their other friends. So right. if you get a good group that's a fit, they're going to refer other good people that are fits as well. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like when you are doing advertising and you are doing marketing, like make those ads be, you know, reflect who you are. Um, like we've talked about this, like we'll see other gyms post ads that are like stock images Yeah. of like, you know, you get on, you know, somewhere online you buy a stock image of a girl doing a kettlebell swing and it's like you need to set the right expectation so that when people coming in like know exactly what they're getting into and by putting up like stock images and like you're literally trying to differentiate yourself (laughs) through a a stock image which is by definition (laughs) not original right (laughs) so it's just like marketing is such a dynamic process that is like very complicated but you can basically reduce that back to like set the right expectation give a shit you know be who you want to be and then deliver on a good experience like it's not that difficult i I wish we could do a podcast that was just like here's how to give a shit yeah because like that is it's like we, we talk about all these different strategies and different things to do and they're all highly effective and like over the years i know we've you know taken bits and pieces of a variety of different things that we've seen different things that we've read and applied them to it, but it's always been like a dash of that into the main ingredient, which is just like caring, right? caring about the experience, like taking it personal that every person in there has a good experience. Right. Um, and that, like that, that matters to your culture and to the setup of your gym and to your initial, whether or not you survive the first year, like so much more than whatever, like Facebook ad you're going to put up right. or whatever, like email, campaign you get to to produce clients like if it, if it's not valued in the door then none of it matters yeah and you know that is marketing right there what, what you just said that's marketing it's not about you know creating the perfect ad or you know doing all this stuff outside of the gym it's about creating that experience and delivering on it it's, mm-hmm. it's as simple as that so um and we'll get into all these uh marketing techniques and like exactly how we do it and um, you know, our sales process and stuff like that down the road and some other episodes, but, um, it's just kind of like a general overview of how we do it and why it works. Essentially. Yeah. I, so. I'd be excited to do one on our sales process because I do think it's very unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's very, it's, it's very important that people understand when they come in that they're cared about, but not to the point where like they're, they're smothered right. and, and all that the person cares about is the sale. And I do think that's a blend of kind of art and science. Mm-hmm. Um, and one that's taken us like a, a long time to get down, like we're still refining it, yeah. but it's always been based upon the same principles and it just kind of backs up everything that we've kind of talked about in the podcast so far. Um, and that's just like focusing on the experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, as always, guys, if you have any questions about any of this, uh, drop a line, shoot us an email, comment on these posts, um, whatever. If you want to hear any more detail about any of the stuff we talked about today, we're happy to get into it. 
But um, continue to spread the word. Keep sharing these episodes. We really appreciate that. And uh, we'll see you next time. All right. Thanks, guys.